This is Founders Talk, an interview podcast hosted by me, Adam Stachowiak. We profile founders building businesses online as well as offline. And if you found this show on iTunes, we're also on the web at 5x5.tv slash Founders Talk. If you're on Twitter, follow Founders Talk and me, Adam Stack. This episode is sponsored by Zendesk, a leading provider of web-based help desk software that is reinventing how companies engage with their customers. Serving more than 5,000 businesses large and small, like Groupon, MSNBC, Twitter, and Rackspace Cloud, Zendesk products are easy to customize, integrate, and use so companies can quickly start offering better customer support. Use the coupon code 5x5 to get 25% off your first two months. Check them out at Zendesk.com. And by Shopify.com, the internet's most elegant, customizable, and affordable hosted e-commerce platform. Take advantage of Shopify's thriving theme and application community to add beauty and depth to your site. Also, feel free to customize your storefront by using your own HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And for a limited time, join Shopify and enjoy your first three months free by entering the discount code 5x5. A shop in minutes, a business for life at Shopify.com. And also thanks to MailChimp.com for sponsoring the bandwidth for this episode. Thanks, MailChimp. Today's guest is Maciej Tuglowski, founder of Pinboard.in. Enjoy the show. I'm here with Maciej Tugolski. He's the founder of Pinboard.in, the social bookmarking, I guess just to say, the anti-social bookmarking web service that's kind of spread up in the news and press since this whole delicious debacle happened a couple weeks back, but they've been in production for a few years now. I guess, uh, Maciej, why don't we start off with telling everybody a bit about yourself and who you are and what you've been doing over the past couple of years. Uh, sure. So I, I'm one of those people that fell into programming from the liberal, liberal arts. I was uh, an art major in college. I, in, in the late 90s, I kind of started, like a lot of other people, making my own website, you know, out of HTML by hand to try to sell pictures. And from then, I, I, you know, I got a job with a small uh a company that made websites for small businesses. So I learned a little bit of scripting and database stuff and, you know, progressed my way to, uh, to actual programming over the course of about five years. I discovered I had an aptitude for it. And of course the money was a little bit better than trying to, uh, to sell paintings. Uh, so I, I had the, I had the skill to miss the entire tech boom entirely. By the time I was anywhere near competent, it was already 2000. And I noticed from one day to the next, all the jobs had disappeared off the job boards. Uh, so I, I programmed in the wilderness like a lot of a lot of us, and uh, eventually got into contracting. Uh, got hired by Yahoo at Brickhouse uh, when uh, when they were first starting that project. Lasted I think four months, and then uh, and then left to be on my own again. Uh, and kind of worked a, odd contracting jobs. Worked on various side projects until I uh, started Pinboard and it got enough traction that I could do it full time. And so when you were at Yahoo, what were the the things you were doing at Brickhouse? Uh, at Brickhouse, the, the original idea with Brickhouse was that it was going to be kind of a, uh, uh, an in-house, like a house band of engineers that would work with people in the company that had great ideas and wanted to try to make a product. So rather than someone at Yahoo quitting to do a startup, uh, you'd be able to you know, send in your application. I have this great idea. I want to try it. Yahoo would provide you with, uh, with technology you know, uh, there'd be a few of us at Brickhouse who would come and, uh, and work with you. And in six months, you'd have a chance to, you know, prove your idea or decide it didn't work and go back to your regular job. Um, and then over the course of, uh, of its creation, Brickhouse became more of a, you know, it was kind of like a, a star system where we had people that, you know, thought they were great designers or great engineers, great product people. And we were going to kind of come up with ideas that would change the world. So it was a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit more about individual talent and uh, 
I, I don't think they change the world, but a lot of <laughs> a lot of Brickhouse employees seem to have found happy places elsewhere. So I guess it was good for us. And did you were you working on Delicious at all when you were at Yahoo? Any part in that at all? No, not at all. I, I my first encounter with Yahoo was I did some contract work for Upcoming, which uh, which physically their offices are right near Delicious, and I've been friends with Joshua Schachter for many years. So you know I would, I would stop by and say hi, but uh, I had no no formal relationship with Delicious at all. And so did your relationship with Joshua at all give you any ideas to uh, to start Pinboard? Just curious because it seems like a might. Well, if anything, I was I was kind of reluctant because I didn't want to step on his uh, his toes. You know, he I, I was I knew him from when he started Delicious, uh, and you know I saw all the work he put into it. Um, I didn't want to, you know, encroach on that territory. But he uh, he was very nice about it. He gave you know he gave me a bunch of ideas for the project. The whole way we do the sign up fee, where it grows incrementally with new users, uh, was came from him. And you know he was always kind of uh, affable about it. So I. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciated that a lot. And I think I, I knew that he had been frustrated with the directionlessness of, of Delicious after it, it got pulled into Yahoo. So, um, you know, I, I kind of felt for him for that because of the Delicious in its uh, in its early days and, and, and the things that uh, Joshua and Peter were talking about doing before it was acquired where, you know, there was a lot of real innovation there uh, and it just kind of came to a stop as soon as it was bought. So before we, there's some definitely some good points that I want to definitely uh, drive into. But before we dive too deeply, could you give kind of a gist of what Pinboard is, so that uh, the listeners aren't just thinking, "What is Pinboard?" Yeah, exactly. I was about to say that we should probably explain what, <laughs> yeah. what the product is. So I, I I like to call Pinboard a, a, a personal archive. It's um, it's a bookmarking tool like all the other social bookmarking tools, where you can save stuff to a server, you can put tags on it and descriptions and uh, and search it. Uh, the the kind of two big differences are, are one that it's very um, very spare, so visually it's kind of minimal, and it has, you know, it, it's kind of for power users. It doesn't uh, it doesn't try to show you who your friends are or let you share stuff with them. It's all about hamstering away as many links as you can. Uh, the other part of the service is that we uh, we archive stuff. So when you bookmark a link, and if you if you if you've paid for the the option, you get uh, you know you get crawlers that will actually suck down all the images and the video and, and everything on that page and save it to a server so that if the site goes offline, hopefully you still have a working copy that you can look on, uh, look, look at, you know, for, for as long as you want. So we're really about very long-term, uh, storage and, and, and personal archiving. We also archive your tweets and, you know, pulling stuff from other outside services so that you can, um, especially these ephemeral ones where, you know, you, uh, on Twitter, you can only go back, I think 3,200 links, uh, sorry, 3,200 tweets. So, you know, we're trying to create more of a memory, uh, that people can use. Uh, the, the site is a, has a payment model where you pay up front um, to join for, you know, it's a lifetime membership. Uh, the price goes up a fraction of a penny with every person who joins. So you're guaranteed that uh, it's going to rise in value. <laughs> and, uh, and also you can choose to pay, uh, you know, the, the 25 bucks a year for the archiving. Well, that's a, that's a very cool pricing model that you've gotten there. But um, what exactly gave you the idea what gave you the passion to even start pinboard well there were uh, there were two things that uh that drove me the first was this desire to have copies of of stuff saved i I looked at my delicious bookmarks from i think i started in 2004 uh and just the amount of material that was gone was was shocking and and this is stuff that you know you can't even find in the internet archive uh which is kind of the go-to place for dead links because a lot of people, uh, you know, Internet Archive has this policy where if you don't want stuff to be stored, you tell them and they'll delete it. Uh, so 
I really wanted this feature where you could just hang on to the things you found. Uh, and I had wanted that for a long time. I, I experimented with different approaches. But the thing that pushed me over the edge and actually made me build Pinboard was a, a redesign that Delicious did visually uh, in the summer of 2009. And that, I had seen some some proofs of it beforehand, and it, but I just couldn't get used to it and I couldn't like it. They, it spoiled a lot of the utility of the site for me and I found myself becoming so negative and so critical that uh, you know I felt I should put up or shut up like if I'm going to criticize the site so much why don't I just build what I think would be better and use it so did you ever really intend for it I guess at that point to to become what it is today uh, at that point it was a personal site I thought you know I wanted to, to to try it out on my own skin and see how I felt I invited a few friends that saw how that worked but I thought about it and at that point social bookmarking was in this interesting position where the you know, Delicious was kind of moribund. It, it clearly was drifting. Uh, there weren't uh, Google bookmarks. Also, was kind of you know they, they hadn't done anything interesting with it. Uh, Magnolia was trying to rise from the dead, but they had you know done this horrible thing where they lost everybody's data, so their reputation was just shot. So I figured if if I didn't you know it was an opportune time to try uh, a, a new bookmarking site, and if I didn't do it, someone else would come up with it and and, and do it themselves. So I, I preferred to be the one who tried it. I love how this came from being a side project for you, really. I mean, over this past year, you, you said that uh, I've read, and before we got on the call, you said that uh, you pretty much have just been leaning on, on your income from Pimboard. What has it been like to to do that from a side project for you? Uh, it's um, it's stressful. I think anybody who has a, a, like a, a small site uh, that, that, that accepts payments knows this dynamic where you have you really don't know what your income is going to be because it depends a lot on the kind of attention you get and that depends on a lot of random factors you can have an excellent product uh, be up for for years before someone notices it and suddenly you have an influx of of, of new users so the, the lack of predictability is is tough because it makes budgeting hard and, and uh, you know luckily we're in a field where when if things get rough you can you can uh, get work yourself fairly easily. I think contracting at this point is not difficult for people to uh, who are who work in tech to uh, to get jobs in. So that's a, that makes it a little bit less stressful. But, but yeah, that was the tough part. Well, speaking of getting covered, I mean, you were covered by TechCrunch and their blog uh, twice last year and twice this year. So last year it was both times were in July, I think, um, mm-hmm. and then you were covered again earlier this year. And they're you know they're evangelizing about um, the simplicity, the likeness of of delicious, but uh, the uptime and the speed and the difference between it. And it seemed like they were really on your side, but it it seems like with uh, you talked about a, a serious influx of users, and that really came about eleven days ago. You said with the the I guess surprising news from Yahoo that they were going to uh, you know put delicious on sunset mode. What? Mm-hmm. What has this been like the last 11 days with that influx of users and the need for a, a new environment for people who love social bookmarking to, to flourish? Well, I should say that that, uh, that first TechCrunch article back back in the summer of 2009 was actually what, what propelled me to take the site and you know make it a product because we got a huge influx of traffic. And at that point, we were in test mode. Uh, and I decided, you know, there's no reason not to flip the switch and actually start charging and uh, see if the product takes off. So that that was a little bit of a, of a spark, and that that first uh, like wave of new users prepared me a little bit psychologically for what last week was like. The, I, you know, I just knew what the what the dynamic is. I, the first person who ever signed up for Pinboard and got charged for it, I think at that time the price was something like two dollars, immediately demanded a refund, and I just had this 
cold sinking feeling <laughs> in my belly, you know, that I've done this horrible thing and uh, I'm just going to get pilloried by users. And I had a similar feeling last week where, uh, you know, everybody's signing up. The site is under, su- under such strain from the traffic that we're struggling and everyone's just going to demand a refund the next day. Um, so it was, it was basically cold fear. Uh, the, you know, the, the traffic, um, the traffic burden wasn't so terrible. It was very high, but, uh, I had built the site to be ready for really high traffic. If you want to look at bookmarks, you can do it all day and it'll be fast. But what the site was not prepared for was people importing, uh, I think what turned out to be 10 million bookmarks in the course of five days. Uh, you know, th- th- We had had maybe 3 million or four in the database accumulated over 18 months. There was nothing set up to handle all those imports and uh, you know, trying to uh, keep people happy and understanding while they were waiting eight to 10 hours for their data to show up after they paid me money. Um, that was not, that was not easy. So you didn't actually start charging for the service until July of, uh, of this past year. I, I had set it up as a, in test mode. So anybody who wanted an invite could get one. And then, uh, Michael Arrington, for some reason, uh, and this is maybe instructive to your listeners, like the, the anatomy of how a TechCrunch article gets written. You know, Michael Arrington, I don't know where he heard about the product from, but he wrote to me asking for a test account. Uh, you know, I looked at the logs. I think he used it for, you know, did three or four page loads and then immediately wrote what he wrote on, you know, it was a very glowing review <laughs> on, uh, on TechCrunch. And that review drove people to, uh, to look at the site and then sign up. Uh, so the fact that that, you know, we got such front page coverage unexpectedly on TechCrunch made me decide maybe, you know, it's now or never, why not try it? But I was kind of, uh, you know, it's a little sobering to see how little uh, can make or break a person's impression of the site. You know, if, if that first page load had failed for some reason, might have had, you know, never been heard of. It could also come from the the pain felt from, you know, Delicious being acquired by Yahoo. And obviously it had a pretty good direction um, in terms of a bookmarking service. You'd mentioned some some that had fallen by the wayside earlier in the call, but, you know, Delicious seemed like the, the true winner. They had an unusual URL at first, then they finally got the .com, delicious.com. And it seemed like they were, they were on the right tracks, but uh, it certainly just became a mismanagement of the product in general. I think it's true, and I, I think that happened to other products as well that that, that Yahoo acquired. Upcoming is, is the example that comes to mind where it was also really dynamic and then just uh, uh, disappeared into this big jello mold that, that is Yahoo. You know, um, just a couple of days ago, actually, this is kind of funny because I just tied my uh, my pin board into my Twitter, so it actually pulled in this, this link from, from Twitter, and we'll talk about that feature here in a second or two, but um, I thought it was kind of cool that it came through my Twitter and I was like, ah, there, there it is. But anyways, the, the point of me saying that is <laughs> it, the link was actually a link that I was sharing with people about uh, something that Sean, Sean Parker had said about Facebook and how they mm-hmm. shouldn't have won. And basically in this, um, in this video on, on, on YouTube, uh, he said that uh, Facebook should not have won and MySpace blew it. It was basically bad management. It wasn't a platform issue. Mm-hmm. Is that the, do you feel the same way with, uh, do, do you have a similar feeling towards, Pinboard versus delicious in this case. Um, I, I I think yeah I think delicious. It, it, it's like getting in the cockpit of the plane and like wrestling the controls so they pointed at the ground. Like you had to make an active effort to make that site uh, not thrive and grow in the way it was doing. Just because there there were so many obvious obvious ways to go that would have been at least interesting to try. And the fact that um, Yahoo chose almost none of them is 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 it illustrate something that's bad about that company. I, I, I think nobody really at the higher levels knew what on earth to do 
with uh, with delicious and and the best you know the best illustrator of that is the fact that they had Yahoo bookmarks still exists you know I mean the, the first thing they should have done is 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 consolidate those two if they really had a vision but they didn't. So let's talk about the the platform for a little bit. I I understand that it's a feature in the fact that you know your your platform isn't glamorous. It's nothing special. There's just um I hate to even use the word typical, but it's a a basic lamp stack, right? It's it's PHP, MySQL, um and just a common architecture. Is there a reason why you went with a common architecture versus uh, something elaborate, maybe something, I guess not elaborate, but something different like Ruby or um, Django or something like that? I, I had done a lot of uh, consulting work fairly right before Pinboard with um, both on Django and on Rails projects. And I had become really allergic to uh, kind of the, the, I don't know, the heavyweight aspects of these sites where you actually immediately had to think about caching and, and scaling and message queues and all these all these things that I associate with with large websites even with uh, you know on, on startup size projects, I had used PHP at Yahoo, where it was kind of the internal language, and, and you know everybody hates on it, but it's extremely lightweight. I thought as an experiment, it would be nice to see how light you could get this site, uh, so that it would just um, you know be blazingly fast. And that was all. That was kind of our secret weapon with Pinboard. You know, I I tried to entice people with features and with uh, with minimalism, but really we we worked so hard to keep it super fast. You know, every page has a little display up top that shows you how many seconds it took to render. And when like if you look at the delicious bookmark bookmarklet, it loads almost a megabyte of code into your browser when you open it. You know, just to bookmark something. So that was a uh, that was our secret sauce. And having it having the the uh, the foundation be really basic and uninteresting made it possible. You know, MySQL has been uh, studied to death and worked on to death by really smart people. Uh, you know, there's an, an enormous amount of documentation on how to tune it right. PHP is the same way, but you know, it's been hammered on for so many years that the uh, the bugs are, are are out of language, and you know, you just work around some of its misfeatures. So I, I really liked working with the stuff that was settled. I didn't have any. I, I didn't want to do any innovation on. Um, on the technology side of it, I wanted to in- innovate on the product side, and I think it takes a little bit of discipline because as a as an engineer, you want to play with the fun toys. But I made sure that I kept the fun toys out of the product. Do you feel as uh, given to where you've made it at with it, and the influx of users and all the pressure on the system that you built? Do you feel that's a <clears throat> a common problem? Excuse me, a common problem that uh, the developers have. They get into this mode where they want to play with the shiny new objects versus sticking to the basics and just leaning on things that have good support, have had good minds behind it. Do you think that's a, a common problem for, for developers or entrepreneurs that are trying to build things like you've built? I think over engineering is always a temptation. Uh, and I, I mean, I take real pride in the fact that we stayed up through the Yahoo! Through the Yahoo Influx, you know, we had to turn off some background services, but uh, not only did we stay online, but we stayed fast through the whole thing, where you're getting, you know, 40 or 50 hits per second. Uh, and our our competitors all went down at, at some point or other, uh, and that that was a real feeling of vindication because, you know, I had been very tempted to uh, to do some clever things, and I, I resisted the temptation, and I, I, I felt that came through. I don't want to speak for other startups. I think there's many cases where. Uh, it makes perfect sense to use the new technology. But I do know just personally, I always feel the temptation when I see a really cool idea that looks like it's well implemented. I would love to you know, try this out and build something on it. And it's it, going back to you know, this horribly boring morass of PHP code that, is, that runs the site is always a, a letdown. But when, you know, when, when, it's, 
it, it, it's clinch time, then it's, it's nice to see that it works. Do you mind boasting a little bit about the numbers that you saw there in terms of requests per minute and some common things that people would know about that, uh, that you can glean on? Oh, no, not at all. I, um, I, I published a graph that showed what, uh, what our traffic looked like over that week. You basically see a tiny little uh, baseline and then it, it's a mountain arrives about half an hour after the Yahoo slide got leaked. The, for people who don't know what happened, um, to us was that Yahoo kind of uh, at an all hands meeting announced that they were going to be sunsetting delicious and, and that they had already laid off the entire uh, development team. So the, the word of this got out and the entire user base basically panicked and started going to alternate sites to see if they could you know, get their data out of delicious in time. And uh, from our perspective, that was just a, a wall of traffic. I, it went up to 40 or 50 hits per second. Uh, this was around noon, so it's already on a weekday, so it's already a pretty heavy, heavy traffic time. And then it gradually kind of tapered down until evening, and then the Europeans, you know, woke up and started uh, freaking out in turn, and then passed it off to Japan. So it was kind of, you know, I saw this wave go around the world for a couple of days, diminishing slowly. We added, I think, 10 million bookmarks, which is some, something. The pace was something like 77 new bookmarks a second, where a normal pace would be, you know, one or 200 bookmarks an hour at most. Uh, from our previous user base, we uh, we added about 10,000 users, I think, in, in in the space of a week. Uh, you know, all of them with with their big import files. So, yeah, those are the, those are the big stats I can I can think of to impress people with. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really impressive graph. And I'll be honest with you, that was one of the things that uh, kind of threw me over the edge. I had I already had Pinboard and um, you on my radar in terms of uh, things I wanted to try out and people I wanted to speak with eventually, but um, I thought this would be a perfect time because it's it's a good time to help you talk about and tell the story of Pinboard and and uh, and your success and whatnot. But that was the graph was compelling, very very compelling. It was almost like um, if you remember Al Gore's graph, whenever he showed you know the entire history of the world <laughs> and then you know the, the significant difference in CO two levels and, yeah. where, and where it was <laughs> yes. going. It was like that. Like if you just saw this like nothing and then boom, it was just huge. Yeah, and I, I'd been too busy to leave and look at our stats. So that graph was also the first time that I saw it, and I kind of, I you know, I double checked that I'd done the the graphing right because it, it it was pretty intense. <laughs> um, was actually, my surprise. first my first sign that things were uh, that things were going to go crazy was I got an email from a friend of mine at uh, uh, an ex Flickr guy who had seen the slide and then forwarded it to me, and then about. Two minutes later, I saw that you know the pace of twi- tweets about pinboard increasing from whatever it was before one an hour to uh, you know just multiple ones a second, and I thought, oh shit. <laughs> so you mentioned when TechCrunch uh, first released that article back in July of last year, you had a feeling of um, that you weren't really sure it could work out because you'd got uh, asked for a refund. Um, but then now you've got this serious influx of users. Um, people are obviously paying for it. It's fueling your your daily income. How has um, and then obviously with all this change with Delicious and the fact that they're likely going to go away, or they say that they're not going to go away, but something is is definitely not happening or happening there. How do you feel now in comparison to how you felt then? Well, I guess I feel a lot more confidence because we've had a year over a year of users having paid for the product and used it and really liking it. We, we had good word of mouth and that made me think that I was on the right track. And then, uh, you know, I, I'm, I know there's a, a ton of work left to do, but I'm kind of, I at least believe that we really do give good value. Even now at, at $9, I think you get very good value for your money uh, when you join Pinboard. So 
there's a lot of challenges at, 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 at figuring out how to absorb such a large number of new users. We, you know, I, I thought I'd be in the shadow of this monster competitor for, for a couple of years yet. Suddenly to have them gone changes everything. And so I think, uh, you know, that there, there's a lot of, a lot of technical planning and a lot of just product planning, trying to figure out how big do we want to grow and, and how, how to make sure that we uh, don't change the site dramatically for people who joined it uh, back in the day, but still make it a welcoming place for users who maybe are, you know, like the more social aspects of delicious. I think it's funny too, that uh, you said it was two bucks uh, back July last year mm-hmm. for, for your sign up. So now it's $9. Yeah. Um, that's a big difference. What, what, tell me a bit more about this pricing model and I guess kind of how it worked. Well, when I was, uh, when I was first thinking of opening Pinboard up to, to other people, and this is when I talked to Joshua about, uh, about pricing models. And my, my idea was just to charge some sort of a, uh, a spam tax. Basically when you sign up, you pay a dollar or something so that, uh, you know, people are discouraged from just creating lots of accounts and spamming the service. The spam was a big problem on delicious, uh, from, from the beginning, uh, so Joshua actually suggested why not make it, you know, kind of incremental because it's true that the more users you get on a site, the, the, the more it costs to, to run it. You know, there's just, I think when you get to a certain scale, it becomes cheaper, but the marginal cost of each user is actually higher because you suddenly have to, you know, uh, get another machine and then you have to write code. So it's, you know, things that used to be done in one place now are done in parallel. And there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of pain involved in the initial stages of scaling. So I thought it would be nice to reflect that in the pricing model where every user basically contributes money so that it, it funds the ongoing development of the site. Um, I hadn't realized that it would have the big marketing effect. It does people kind of, people were really tickled by the pricing model and, uh, and kind of, and a lot of people actually joined the site specifically because we took their money. Uh, they were a little bit tired. They told me of, you know, these these projects that are that, that offer free accounts, and there's no idea how they're gonna uh, how they're gonna survive. Because when it comes to bookmarks, people really want stability. It's like a bank, you know. You, you you're investing. Yeah, that's how I feel about my delicious. It's like an investment. Yeah, and then you don't want also like there's been a trend recently. I think where startups kind of grow really fast, get successful, and then they sell to a company which shuts them down or turns them into something else. Uh, you know, they, they write a letter thanking their users, but the users are left holding the bag. I, uh, I didn't, um, didn't want to go that route either. I think it's cool, too, about this is that uh, you provided a nice, seamless import from, from Delicious. You actually took the, um, the, the Delicious import-export model and, and leveraged that to your, to your greater behalf. Do you think that's a smart choice for anybody in your, in your situation where you're kind of against Goliath? And if that Goliath falls down one day, you've got to take on their users to provide a nice, um, I guess, um, what would you call that, a uh, migration to, from, from one platform to the other? Without question, I think if you're up against a big competitor, um, people are are going to try your service in parallel with with what they're already using, and you know they're going to evaluate you that way. So if you make it difficult for them to uh, to sync up, whether it's your photos or you know whatever other kind of user data you're uh, you're using, and it, and if you make it hard for them to export, uh, and especially if if it's not dirt simple to import stuff, then you just they're going to lose interest right away. It's, it's on you to make it very easy. Because uh, there's other things that are going to be hard for people to get over that you don't want to add import to that. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned over the last two years uh, with Pinboard and the development of it and the business model and in general uh, creating it as a product as it is today? You know, such a huge number of lessons since I had uh, I had no experience of of, of doing a startup before. Uh, some of the things that this struck me particularly were, um, you know, the amount of goodwill you can get out of providing 
prompt customer service. We've tried, uh, Peter and I both have really worked hard to be responsive, even if we can't help people immediately, you know, at least get back to them, telling them that uh, the dividends from that are amazing. And all it takes is a little, uh, you know, an email at the right time and someone has a good impression of your product for the rest of, uh, you know, the rest of the time they use it. I think that's great. Uh, I think it's surprised me the extent to which people think that you're, you know, any, anything that has a website is run by a building full of employees. You know, there's a, a development department and a, a QA department and the help desk. Uh, they don't really realize that a lot of these projects are, are a one man show or, or something close to it. Uh, and then I, I think I've been amazed at the, like frankly amazed that we can just compete with actual corporations on a, a you know and, and kind of do well against them when uh, it, it just speaks to how much technical leverage is available i mean we're uh, compared to 2004 when delicious was launched i remember you know joshua had to uh, you know get big servers and there was this constant headache of, of administering stuff and all that and, and in just in those uh, six or seven years now we have you know, you you rent computers by the hour from Amazon in the cloud. You have to, all the software you use is is free and well tested. Um, you know, you, there's really no there's no obstacles on the technical level anymore to building a a mature site uh, if you have the development skill. I think that's 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 something very new. You mentioned Peter, and we haven't actually talked about him uh, really at all. He's been around for the past year helping you out, and he was also one of the co-founders of Delicious. How how has that uh, impacted the product development of Pinboard? Oh, it's it's been terrific fun to have him around. Peter's uh, uh, Peter's really really good at um, at vetting ideas and kind of he, he has a really good sense of what makes uh, what's good to try. Uh, he's very innovative. You know the, um, uh, the I remember when in early days of Delicious, you know he and Joshua would just throw stuff around, and one of the real strengths of that product was all the bad ideas that got discarded. I think that's one of the, the hard things to do when you're building something is actually just throw out the bad ideas. It's easy to come up with good ones. Unfortunately, they're mixed in with, you know, uh, 10 times as many bad ideas. And, and Peter is extremely good at arguing uh, those out and, and pushing them out of the product. Uh, and he's, you know, he, he also has a lot of memory of what originally, you know, the, the, the direction Delicious was originally taking uh the reasons why they didn't follow certain paths and you know, a lot of ideas that they didn't get to try on the product that, you know, we can try now at Pinboard. So I think he's, uh, he's very pleased to have another go at, uh, at bookmarking, although kind of surprised with both of us are that it's a viable thing to do bookmarking in, uh, in 2011. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, and just on a day to day level, he's, uh, you know, we kind of stagger our sleep schedules. He he keeps the site up, then I wake up and I keep the site up. We answer the the emails. I think many people know that when you when you're not working alone on a project, it's it's much easier psychologically than when you when you are. It's really sad actually working by yourself. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's kind of nice having Peter on. I'm sure because you really can go crazy, especially if you start talking to yourself. You know, you're crazy then, right? Exactly, and you know you have horrible mood swings too sometimes in a, in. in and you're mad at yourself. Yeah. So luckily, <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't synchronize them with, with the person you're working with, then it gets a lot easier. So co-founders, that's an important piece then, I guess. He's not really a co-founder, but he's certainly, um, you know, part of, uh, I guess, probably the better part of what a co-founder could be. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a relationship everybody has to define uh, for themselves. You know, people have been collaborating since the dawn of time and it's, it's, it's something, it's like a friendship uh, or, or a marriage where you kind of, you know, you figure it out for yourselves. 
Well, I, I'm just, uh, I know we don't have the super secret question to lean on, but I'm just curious. I what, just thought uh, of one, actually. Okay, you can ask great, great. Let's, let's do a thing. As I know before when we first started talking that uh, we were going to shoot down the super secret question. But I guess, uh, you know, what's, what's on uh, the upcoming for, uh, for Pimboard? What's super secret no one knows about that you can talk about here today? Well, I, the super secret thing I can talk about is, is something from my past that, uh, that, that actually helped Pinboard get, uh, get where it is, which is um, it, for about the last year, Pinboard was actually running on the back of a, of a completely different website that made a lot of money that paid for Pinboard. Uh, I ran a bedbug tracking website. and If you remember, there was a hysteria in the summer of 2010 over bedbugs that uh, drove massive traffic and that did two things for pinboard one was it just gave me money that i could spend to actually work on the site but the more important thing was uh it made since they live on the same server it made it so that when i got that giant spike of yahoo traffic that server was already tuned for the, those levels of uh, of viewers if i if i hadn't had the bedbug site and i hadn't had some massive uh massive incoming links in the summer i never would have uh been able to survive last week so uh just kind of an interesting interesting take on how a side project can have the most unexpected benefits <laughs> yeah i didn't even know about this this bedbug piece so, so it actually helped you finance some of the some of the building of pinboard yeah the, the bedbug piece you know it was one of those things that i built as a i got bitten by them four years ago so i built a website where people could just report that a hotel had them or you know an apartment building and it kind of like many side projects lay dormant for four years and then suddenly got discovered uh, began making an incredible amount of money from adsense uh, over the summer when there was such press attention. And then that kind of allowed me to not have to uh, uh, take on contracting work and just, you know, devote all my time to to making Pinboard, uh, you know, more solid as a product. So I think back in the day, I had had this dream of having a bunch of small websites that would each make a small stream of income. I think what I learned is that uh, it can even be better than that. If you build a couple of, of of paying projects uh, at unexpected times, you might get a lot of revenue from one or the other, and you know, it all it all goes into the same account, so it's quite nice. Now that actually is quite super secret because I hadn't heard anything about it, and I didn't know it helps you fund it, which is probably an important piece to even you know, like he has said, helping a side project become successful. That's um, I'm glad you mentioned it. Really, I am because that's that's pretty important. I think a lot of people echo that that um, that there's always something that helps them fund it, and people want to know about. You know how you were able actually to to put all of your dedicated time this past year, um, you know, into Pinboard and be ready and you know because the easiest way to describe um, um, they say luck is and I don't think you're lucky by any means but luck really is defined by um, your amount of being prepared at at the given right opportunity right like you were prepared. And you had an opportunity, so it wasn't really lucky that you were successful. I think it, it was luck that kind of drew it to there, but you were ready to take on this traffic, and it's important to, to know how you got there. Yeah, I think that's a great definition of, of, of how luck works in, in this kind of thing, because it's, it's a huge element of, of our success, and I, I guess anyone's success, but it also means all this kind of time spent working with, with no reward when the luck's not coming in, uh, just so you can be ready for that that. that window of opportunity when it opens well much it was uh, it was awesome talking to you I, I look forward to using pinboard versus delicious i hate to keep saying that you're a delicious alternative because i think ultimately you stand on your own feet the interface and the service has been phenomenal in my opinion i got 
transition from delicious in about uh, I don't know two seconds, <laughs> quite literally two seconds. I'm even pulling so leads. <laughs> yeah, it was it was super easy. Like it was there was no problems whatsoever. The the interface isn't the same, but it, it uh, you know has a lot of the similar aspects that you want, which is a minimalistic approach. Um, and I'm kind of kind of happy too. I'm also pulling in links from my Instapaper um, posts as well, and then things that are coming from my own particular uh, tweet stream. So I'm actually able to archive all that stuff. And I even paid the upgraded fee to to archive my stuff because, like you, I felt the same pain where I went back to my delicious bookmarks and the site was gone, and I wanted to at least see what it was. And, mm-hmm. and back in those days, it was when I was bookmarking designs I liked and stuff like that. So. Oh yeah, it, yeah. it was a pain so in the butt. So, yeah, I, I knew I had to have that uh, that extra mm-hmm. piece. And the pricing model you mentioned that before. Uh, for me, I was like, you know, I should get in now because <laughs> it's. I think I got it for seven dollars. I think today it's like nine. So I don't know. Maybe you went up two bucks in the last couple of days. I hope it doesn't go up to twenty. But I guess the yeah, important I, thing to I, mention I is so. it's a one. <laughs> it's a one time fee. So that's. That's something that we didn't mention, but that that is an important piece of that. So I wanted to get in earlier, um, but I also didn't want to be without uh, without a bookmarking service, and I just knew I couldn't keep investing in Delicious if uh, if they were wishy washy with where they were going with it. Yeah, I think it's good to be prudent in these cases. Whether you whether you choose Pinboard or some other product, you know, back them up right now. Find some other place you can go to because none of us knows what is what is going on over there. Yeah. Well, again, Maciej, hey, thanks for, for coming on the show. If you want to, uh, well, I guess, where can people follow you at? Like you have a, a Twitter account for, for Pinboard, and what is the URL for Pinboard? Uh, Pinboard is pinboard.in, and uh, our Twitter name is pinboardin with no, with no dot there, pinboardin, all one word. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on, on Twitter. Uh, email us at, at Pinboard. We, you know, we read all our mail. Uh, I'm active on, on Twitter, so you can always find me if you have any questions. Very cool. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me.